ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರ್ವಾಹೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧಿತಮಸ್ತುಮಾಪಿಷಾವೇ ಚತುರ್ಥಿಯ ಇನ್ ಸಂಸ್ಕೃತ್ 
breaks off, the, the cha goes off and it becomes as Turiya. So Turiya is basically the fourth state. It's not exactly a state. state beyond one, two and three, which, you know, which does not see any distinction between either of these three states. So in mentally, if you say, okay, I was like this before and now I am like this before and I'm going to become like this before. I have, I have become like this before. You know, transactionally, we may be able to talk like that, but in reality, if we still think like that in our mind, that means we still have progress to make. That's a good one. And you should uh, listen to the deeper meaning of this particular particular shloka. It's really, really powerful. And in the context of, uh, uh, you know, it, it, there's one more word which comes in here. Finally, I forget the, I forget the word now. Uh, Shruti Sagarha. The last one, uh, it ends, it starts with Vrishahi and ends with Shruti Sagaraha. And I can connect that to the tree of samsara that we're talking about, right? Because in the tree of samsara, if you look at it, the, the entire tree, the root is a Brahman, the entire tree described, and the, especially the leaves are described as Vedas. And it's described mm. as Vedas because the number of trees, number of leaf in tree is humongous. And Shruti Sagaraha, Shruti is Vedas, and Sagaraha is the abundance of that. So it says that, you know, he is those Vedas manifested in those, in those leaves of the samsara, which says, okay, do this, don't do this. That's what it says. <clears throat> Although in the Rajesh, tree of samsara, how many verses? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to ask, I mean, yeah, when I, you I say, uh, the, okay, I'll let you go with VP first. Yeah, just on Vishnu Sahasnama, how many verses are there, Rajesh? There are 107 stanzas, you know, minus the, the invocation and the concluding verses. Each stanza roughly has about uh, seven to eight names, and some of them are shorter, some of them are longer. So about 1,000 names roughly, totally, you know. So when you say 107 stanzas, you mean 107 verses, right? Shlokas. Yes, 107 shlokas. That is correct. Okay. okay. So for example, today I, I recited one shloka. So one shloka right, has Vrushahi, right. Vrushabo, Vishnur, Vrushahi is one name, Vrushabo is another name, Vishnu who is another name, Vrushaparva, Vrushodharaha, Vardhano, Vardhamanascha, Vivitta, Shruti Sagaraha. So that's about roughly eight names in that in that stanza. I see. So the whole thing is so the whole thing is just names. That's it. The whole thing is names, but the point is each of the names note the principle of, of it. Of, of that which, you know, and the whole thing, the thousand names is just one name. Finally, the whole idea is that whole name should get into our head as one name. Right. So how many have you gotten in your head so far? I don't know. <laughs> I, probably starting with still Vishwam, the first one. <laughs> you know, anybody can learn like a parrot and you can recite it, right? You know, that's where I am right now. I'm just reciting it. I just don't understand it. First step, uh, Rajesh. Yep. Yeah. Recitation is the first step. So the question I was asking, uh, Rajesh, to your comment about the leaves being the Vedas, I don't quite get it. What does that mean? I mean, I've read about sort of leaves kind of referring to sort of karmas. Yeah, so I, 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 I didn't quite get that. So could you help with that? Yeah, so let's go back to last week's discussion, right? And I think that's a good segue into what we're going to discuss. Last week's discussion, you remember Al Alpana was clarifying Karma Kanda and Jnana Kanda? Yes, yes. Okay, so Karma Kanda is basically that part of the uh, Vedas which says what you need to do to get something. 
okay do something get something don't do something because of consequences that you have that's what it determines okay so it determines it shows you know uh, right from various yagnas that you have to do there is sacrifices and things like that and also your day to day work it 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 determines everything there and even people don't understand that it goes to uh, the next is the uh, smriti which is a written works and then you know it goes into mahabharata ramayana itihasas and puranas and all that right so for example uh, you know um, uh, the the evolution of what do's and don'ts you know in uh, in 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 a, in a purana that you know my guru was uh, telling today this week uh, called skanda purana i believe they tell you how to even brush your teeth what uh, uh, what to do how you need to do how to brush your teeth okay and when to start your day and how to start your day everything is determined there so for people who don't understand at one level it keeps on going down to multiple levels to the point thing that to dictate to you what you need to do on a day to day basis day to day activities okay look how do you cook how do you eat you know uh, how do you treat a guest and all those things now uh, the the trees the the leaves of the tree are likened to that because that is dharma okay the dharma says for people to who who need to follow that this is what you need to do and you should not do okay and that's variegated it's so many rules and regulations mentioned in it that's why it's reference to like a leaf Right, and the right, fruits okay. are the and the fruits are the fall i think right i mean superfall mm. uh, karma phalam yeah mm. yes mm. yes the fruits the fruits by nature you know they um yeah uh, the fruits like this is how i remember from swami guruparanandas lectures right the fruits you know they um uh, they 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 form a fruit i mean the tree gives a fruit because of some action and that fruit now has a potential to form a secondary tree as well okay let's say you know imagine that it drops down to wherever the tree is and then it forms another root and then you know comes up now that tree the basis of the tree is still you know the brahman but then the secondary basis for that is the the result of the uh, uh, action what we have done you know that's basically the vasanas that is that is coming up again and you know manifesting itself and growing that tree and actually you know it's it's uh, yeah, when 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 it talks about uh, in a, when it, in uh, when that in the tree of samsara chapter when it talks about you will actually feels really sorry that the tree is being cut off you know the tree is so beautiful it's so nice to look at but you have to really cut it off finally <laughs> yeah yeah it has a long life but it, it it does have an end yeah yeah no 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 but i'm talking about i i agree it has a long life but it has an end but the point is the very fact that you know we have to I said, you know, asanga shastra and cut it off is really yes, yes. <laughs> a not a palatable idea. Yeah, but we again the same analogy that you know, while it, it is not a palatable idea, absolutely, but uh, the fact remains that at the end of the day, I mean, we all sort of as as jivas will graduate to that point, um, however long it takes. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Actually, we don't have to physically cut it, but just intellectually. Yes. yes it is it is yeah exactly yes <clears throat> that's the that's the most important thing right because at the end of the day, you know the world will continue to exist nobody will is going to say it, it doesn't exist just because you know you cut it off but in mentally that attachment is gone yeah it's that uh, asanga asanga yeah mm. yeah all right 
So that is a good, uh, uh, you know, start for for the day. So just just was checking, you know, anyone wants to uh, uh, reflect on the chapter, and especially, you know, I definitely uh, posted a few questions because, you know, in the last uh, GD, I felt that, you know, maybe we did not cover some of the points. So if anyone of want to want to, you know, uh, share your thoughts on where we were, where you are in terms of some of those reflections, that will be helpful. Going to go to your questions. Those are very good questions, but I haven't gone back to them yet. See, on the question of Asanga, uh, I was just wondering is it only asanga with the mind or asanga for the mind itself. I mean, this is one thing which we need to understand. I think, I think it is for the, it is uh, uh, at the mind level. Because all the work, I think what we are doing is uh, yeah, but... for the mind. No, Rajesh, if you understand, see, mind means samsara. Okay, the moment the mind is there, it is samsara, samsara of a tree. Okay, so we have to cut off this mind itself. So we have to be unattached to the mind itself. I mean, I mean, if you are unattached from the mind, it is still samsara. If you are... Uh... If you are unattached from the mind, it is still samsara. Like the question is today, if we are there, I mean, I mean today the question of why Maya, VP Rajesh's favorite question, you know, I mean, it's very, I mean, it's very difficult to understand because I mean, uh, Swamiji uh, just dismisses the statement saying that you are already in samsara. So similarly, if you're talking the asanga from the mind, it is also in the uh, Maya itself, realm of Maya. Now we had, I mean, my understanding is we have to be asanga for the, from the mind itself. That consciousness needs to be uh, unattached with the mind itself. It's what my understanding is. Or the mind, mind should, should be able to reflect the consciousness in such a way that it should not distort it. For which you don't have to do anything to the consciousness. You have to do everything to the mind. Yes, we work on the mind, but uh, be unattached. With the mind itself. <laughs> Correct. Because then you shift your frame of reference. From right now, the frame of reference is, you know, consciousness plus maybe 99% of the mind. Okay. Over a period of time, it becomes maybe consciousness plus 1% of the mind. And then you're able to see it clearly. At one point of time, that 1% will also go. I'm sort of using an, you know mathematical analogy, but that's not really it. So please, you know, don't uh, bash me up for using a wrong analogy. At one percent point of the time, when that ego is is going to drop, then it becomes zero, and then you actually become that. So my submission is: I think we are we are working on the mind, using the mind, by understanding that there is a principle beyond the mind, which is which is a true identity, and we have to identify with it. That's how I have understood yeah. it. Yeah, in Aprokshanubuti. Uh, no, one of the point of meditation is uh, asanga asmi. You know, it says uh, I am unattached. So when it says I am unattached, when you are meditating, uh, I mean, 
when a thought comes, you know, Asanga Asmi itself, you know, that word itself in unattached is what we no one needs to cut off. You know, uh, that is a sentence which, uh, I mean, it also says Sachidananda Asmi. There are four uh, lines which you need to meditate according to Aprokshanubhuti, uh, uh, which says Asanga Asmi and also Sachidananda Asmi, Swaprava Asmi and Dvaita Varjita Asmi. These are the four things. When it says Asanga Asmi means I am totally unattached. So second second thing is Sachitananda, we know existing consciousness, I am existing consciousness. And third thing, Swaprabha, this means I am self-aware self, uh, and self-affluent uh, is what I am. And drip, uh, uh, I'm forgetting the word now. I just mentioned. That means I mean I'm I'm only one. I'm I'm. There's no second. You know uh, the, uh, that is what it means. So I mean when consciousness is spreads, I mean it 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 overtakes the mind itself. You know I mean uh, that is uh, this total asanga from the mind itself. You know we we may start with the mind as you said, but we end up dissolving the mind itself. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, uh, why why we do meditation or japa there is, you know, after some time, the mind becomes so calm that it's, it stops. It stops its chatter to even the chant. Okay. And then suddenly the entire, yeah, exactly. entire tree of samsara is just vanished. Yes. That's the power of chant with the right mantra. Tying back to the discussions what Rajiv was asking. Hey, this also answers my other question, Guntax uh, and uh, and Mahesh, that we are using the mind, but we are trying to go beyond or outside of the mind. With the with the mind itself. Yeah. Yeah. The way this. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. After you. I was saying it gives the example that there are two lamps in a in a dark room. One is lit up, the other one is not. And you cover both of them with a pot. When you break the lamp, which is not lit up, or the covering of that lamp, you still need an external light to see it. But the lamp which is lit up and it is covered and you break the covering itself effulgent. So I think that's what uh, Rajesh was trying to explain that the mind will take the form, we call it Brahmakar Vritti. But then for all the objects, you need something to, uh, to, to, to showcase it. But in case of self-enlightenment, it will be self-effulgent when the mind takes that Brahmakar Vritti but mind will take that Brahmakarvritti only when it is quietened and not distracted and purified to be Satviki. So you're, you're right, we use the mind because the ignorance is in the mind. So the ignorance of the mind can only be removed within this realm and by the mind. And it's like, you know, when, when you're you have a thorn, you take another thorn to take out this thorn, but then you throw away both the thorns. So mind is the one because the, the problem is in the mind. It will be done, but eventually 
both asang will happen with the mind and everything else yeah hey uh, thanks uh, my <laughs> the first visual that came to mind is you know the uh, truman he rose in the end right and then he goes and bangs against the sky what he thought was the limitless sky he bangs against it and then he realizes there's there's a world beyond that yeah he's been so limited so yeah i think for, for those of you who missed the reference what he's uh, what <clears throat> just talking it's you should watch this movie harry truman show it's a beautiful movie yeah i think it's available on i think it's available yeah, everywhere netflix and everywhere sorry that was a spoiler alert but i think you'll figure it out uh kishor is talking sorry no no i was about to say if you had not mentioned that it's a spoiler alert we wouldn't have known but now we know ah uh. whoops <laughs> <laughs> sorry so i was just reading uh, uh page 148 uh, you know there is this really good uh, um metaphor of a, a red hot iron ball right in in the third paragraph so it talks about uh, so one thing it, it just struck me just uh, um um so what he says is the in a red hot iron ball what somebody says the fire and the iron are not at together they're not like one is placed on the other so in other words the fire is actually um causing i mean is giving uh, energy to each of the atoms so it's making everything inside that iron actually um heated up right so it's kind of uh, it's part of it right so in the same way how awareness causes consciousness to become part of the body right and making it sentient had uh see yeah, we always heard about this right i mean because of consciousness then the re- the mind works and because of the mind then the sense organs and so on but this kind of gives a really good uh, i think it's a very good metaphor that yeah. because of the heat the heat is not separate from the iron it's it's just giving everything like every atom within the iron is heated up right it's not separate i i i, I was just reading it and it certain things just clicked <laughs> so really you know that there's a that's a very good metaphor i agree with you in fact it's, it's a, in fact in fact earlier i used to think uh, okay is it like uh, is is the consciousness and the mind or body is it like you know water and oil mixed together they are separate but actually that's not true actually this this yeah yeah exactly i i used to think that way too i mean at least like visualize it in a different way but Yeah. this is a much better way to visualize it yeah it's a it's a similar sort of uh, explanation something that i I've, i've been thinking about as to why are why are some uh, objects sentient and some are inert right and there's a good explanation it's a good explanation of the yeah. fact that you know the inert uh, objects do not have a subtle body 
which obviously is more evolved in humans as opposed to plants and non-existent in, in, in dead objects or, in, or when we are dead for that matter in terms of body-mind. But the explanation, the similar sort of analogy, Kishore, of the uh, of a of a of a steel uh, a container and water, where if you put it on the water on on the on the fire, then the steel container gets hot, and potentially even red hot, and because because it's metal, metal gets red hot and it is warm, whereas the water only gets warm, right? And to that extent, one has uh, one has existence, which is sat, uh, which is the water. But the container has both the sat and the chit, and therefore it becomes sentient. So it's a very interesting sort of similar example as you you quoted in the context of uh, sentient and inert objects. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you know I I was also listening to Swami B's lectures, and I think he exactly explains the way you mentioned, Ajay. So, you know, the one that ex exhibits only the sat or the existence is a inert, uh, you know, inert one. And the one which exists, I mean, which exhibits both sat and chit becomes a sentient one. And that makes it, uh, he, he talks about ushnatvam and the prakashatvam in the same example. Yeah, heat and light, one, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I had not sort of figured out in the first read, but now having read it two or three times, that comes out quite clear, nicely in even Swami D's book. Yeah, and I think Swami D has this innate knack of writing one small sentence, but explaining a lot of things in that. And if you miss it, you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you need to get the concept to, to be able to, to, to comprehend it. If you don't get the concept, then it's all sort of OST. OST. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's not that he puts arbitrary paragraphs, you know, every paragraph is connected so very uh, nicely with the previous paragraph and, you know, we've got to get that context very well. Yes. So th this also shows that um, Atma, when, when we talk about Atma as a concept, and it's not an entity, but as, as a concept, even that kind of breaks down here because if there is awareness and then there is consciousness, um, uh, awareness results in consciousness in the subtle body, right? So we're just giving that concept, we're just calling that concept as Atma, right? When, when it becomes consciousness in the subtle body. Uh, am I right in say, stating that, right? Um, so when there is awareness, uh, because just like the, when there is heat, iron is going to get hot and every atom of the iron is going to get hot. So as long as there is awareness, and if there is a reflecting surface, which is our mind and subtle body, it is going to become conscious, just like correct, the iron is going to get heated. Exactly. Um, it, it's got to have the reflecting medium as... as correct. Uh, and so since our subtle body is a reflecting medium, it is going to get uh, conscious. Now, where is Atma in this? Is, is that the resulting consciousness plus the um, in, in the subtle body uh, mixed with the eye, um, the or the uh, the sense of eye in the in the subtle body. I think that's jivatma. Atma is there everywhere, but the reflected part is jivatma. Yes. Right. So I was thinking of when when we say the awareness, that would be the same as Brahman as the uh, it is the so same basically. There. 
that's there everywhere right irrespective of the medium but wherever there is a medium there'll be a reflection Correct. because the consciousness to be manifested it needs some medium medium correct it's and it's manifested there and then right. we call it jivatma but atma right. is there everywhere like space so then okay so in in this sentence when you say atma then you are equating that to brahman correct okay yes right and and and, and to the, to one of the questions in sort of rajesh's list about what happens after death i mean the subtle body goes away right. from the right. body mind right. complex yeah. and therefore there is no sentience yeah 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 and and actually uh, kishor your question you know i understood it slightly differently you know maybe you know uh, my understanding was wrong but here is what i understood right my understanding was there is awareness everywhere but when it comes to within a within a within a let's say being uh, it becomes awareness plus consciousness is that what you were saying no um there is awareness everywhere but because there is a reflecting surface Mm. that is expressed as consciousness in the in the um body in the and making it sentient yeah yeah so but 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 you know i actually thought the other way around there is it's not just the awareness which is everywhere around it's awareness plus uh consciousness plus ananda everywhere around but the medium reflects all the mediums will reflect awareness but some mediums will reflect awareness plus uh consciousness that's the ones that we that will have the subtle body i think awareness you meant existence yeah Exist- i think awareness and consciousness are interchangeably used then you use con- existence which will be yeah. reflected everywhere correct 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 existence existence yeah, existence which is reflected yeah. everywhere so, irrespective so, of sentient or insentient yeah because you can't reflect something which is not already there correct Uh, and and when you explain the context, in, in the context of jivatma so the one that exhibits both sat and chit is a jivatma otherwise it becomes what jagat or something right i mean is that jagat uh, yeah mm. yeah no, that's my understanding sakuba uh, okay. because anything which is uh, an object which has no consciousness has only got chit sat which is the consci- which is the existence and once you, once you have a reflecting medium like a subtle body in the in in humans then you also get consciousness but the consciousness is everywhere it's just reflected consciousness makes you conscious no, but taking the trend a little forward right i think this is a very important part to to understand it so so you're saying that then this entire uh, universe is there is one person called as jivatma then there are multiple other jivatmas then there are uh you know non living beings is that how we are imagining it now correct so anything which is a jivatma would be uh, so you know whether it is uh, plants or animals or humans are all jivatmas jivas right and they all have some sort of a subtle medium or, or or a reflecting medium which which makes them conscious in different sort of degrees whereas if you have a stone uh which has no reflecting medium which is part of the rest of it which is jagat and that is that is that has existence but has no consciousness but is isn't isn't the interpretation uh, for jagat is it an alternate interpretation here's a question that i'm having right so 
the the one jivatma that is me that is one part the rest of everything else including the other jivatmas plus the non sentient beings wouldn't i call that as jagat at least my interpretation is that jagat is anything which is i mean jagat is the world which is everything else which is not jiva because rajesh so a, we can't say for sure anyone else is conscience conscious that's swami spg's argument you only see other sorry, body you don't know that they are conscious you can only tell about your consciousness so from so your that means, that means other people are also jagat isn't it yeah as per swami spg yes because it's not you can't experience you can't say that they are conscious we can't experience it right but we kind of know right no <laughs> no so, so it's I, you're right i can't i can't experience your consciousness i mean that's what swami is that you are conscious saying you can i'm asking yeah you infer it but you can't say for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so at least in my mind it's in my mind you know i think of it as jiva and jagat as as yeah. as okay. the non essential yeah jiva no, i thought i thought we said that in a different context that you can't experience it doesn't mean that other person doesn't have a consciousness right it's just that you can't experience it from yeah. what i remember listening to him no i think he says yeah so it's all in your mind right i, I think and that's how he proves the singularity of the consciousness <laughs> yeah because that's a, that's in you know actually is that classification very important because see if you look at our puranas ganga has a identity so there is a subtle body for that himalayas has a identity prithvi has identity uh, you know so all the devtas that we talk about in fact they are higher sentient beings than us which is about, which is even the prithvi jal varun devta and all so so there is an ident there is something which identifies with this so in my opinion actually everything is at some level but yeah uh, i mean i don't want to bring in to the confusion but at some point it is very hard to say what is sentient and even insentient based upon our you know puranas etc agreed Yeah. So actually, maybe another way, you know, if, you, if another way of looking at it is you know, a chart which I posted from Swami SPG's book, right, some time back, where uh, you know there's there's a chart on the left side. It's all the individual level. On the right side, it's all at the uh, universe macro level, right? Yeah. So then there are three three states. The one uh, the one who identifies with their with their body. Okay, that is at one one level. Maybe there is a corresponding person who identifies with the entire physical universe the the physical you know flesh and blood uh, sort of universe and subtle things and that entity which is inside that thing who identifies it with the, with that self that's it's the same one but it's given in that's a that's sure yeah that's sure that's sure yes. that's sure yeah. yeah yeah so that's why i sometimes now i struggle to call anything as insentient because because of the way you know in some of the puranas it says that. yeah that Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also sorry. Continue. Yes. You know, you you mentioned about this Puranas, right? Yesterday I was hearing this uh, story. I believe Ganga had a doubt one day and uh, saying that all the people have come to me and they are, uh, you know, taking a dip in me and giving all their sins to me and going off. What if I get those all those sins? 
okay then she goes up to shiva ji and she says uh, shiva this is my doubt shiva says the very fact that you have that doubt shows that your mind is not pure therefore what you have to do is go to kaveri okay go to river kaveri you take a dip there in kaveri and then you come back and you will be purified then she goes to kaveri she takes a dip in kaveri and goes back that's why they, they say all the rivers are so uh, holy because uh, you know they're all there are there all this divine bodies subtle bodies in ganga it's just it's not that ganga is the holy holy ganga is the only holy river all the rivers are holy because there's this interrelation you know even ganga has taken dip in kaveri or in the volga for that matter <laughs> yeah sorry mahesh i interrupted you yeah i i forgot what i was supposed to talk <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless so i mean what i want to say is this sachitananda is one word i mean i mean if you are existing that means your consciousness Correct. okay i mean in uh, i mean existing consciousness happiness is one thing if you are existing your happiness your consciousness as well so some like stones doesn't exhibit uh, consciousness i mean as per us but i mean it is got consciousness i mean it is only exhibits the existence part of the consciousness i mean other sachidananda whereas we exhibit both uh, the uh, consciousness and the existence part of it whereas in our uh, fluctuations of our mind we also exhibit some ananda part of it i mean but in other things we are not able to understand about this but Uh, everything is one i mean if you if you notice what i understand is uh, lord krishna you know i remember uh, he lifted whole mountain you know so uh, and he saved a village from the storm or something you know there he considered the entire universe as his body just as he lifting his body he is able to lift that mountain as well you know that is how uh, we understand i mean it is entire thing is one uh, sachidananda entire universe now that is very very beautifully said mahesh nice that's very nice so then what the what about the stones sorry i i i am lost so are the stones uh, <laughs> just the, the sat part or what are we what are we concluding sat and bliss sat chitananda even stone is also sat chitananda so then why are they called inert versus us being called it is for our understanding they are not is what i mean i understand that's what i understand <laughs> in the trans- but i don't think are inert but actually they are not they also but have then, got consciousness but, but then but then I'll, i'll have a slightly different argument so if once we once the once the person dies and the subtle body has gone out of the body mind complex right are we still conscious No, no. But the subtle body does it go out? Actually, where does it go? It goes, in, it it, it goes into an, it go, it go, it goes into another uh, sort of body, right? No, and it doesn't. So, if, so, like so once we once we are dead, once we are dead, then are we still conscious? I mean, I mean, we can just question. See, once you are dead, you are nothing. There is nothing to reflect upon. No, you are conscious, but you don't know. but you need something to reflect upon for a, as a transactional word you need something to reflect upon it can be stone there you exist as a stone or we exist as a stone so you don't have a tool to exhibit that yeah even i mean but rama exactly. you remember rama <laughs> touched the stone and became a lady you know you remember that Ahilya. story ahilya yeah i mean, yeah, I mean but that that's is... because ahilya was cursed 
So she was moved into a, she was transformed into a stone by some curse. Exactly, so but the stone is inert, no? Yeah. How can a consciousness being come from, from a, come from inertness? Because Rama touched it. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 he, put, he put the reflecting medium into it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He put it back, whatever that reflecting medium was yeah. missing. What we are trying to say is we don't have but the tool to express it. So that tool was taken away and given back. But it's <laughs> not that the, there's a consciousness from somewhere which was infused in that. Let me put it this way. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I uh, uh, will never forget this. This goes back like 1992 or something, almost 20, 27, 28 years. So I was visiting um, Srisu, who several of you may know. He was in uh, uh, Purdue, uh, you know, doing his going to college. And I visited him and Paddy was also there with him, Ananta, right? A um, lot of you will remember Paddy also. So th these are, you know, classmates from Pilani. So anyway, he was there and we got into this debate and I had no clue what Paddy was talking about at that time. He said, all the things that you're calling non-living are also living and got into this major confusion. And I remember this, uh, you know, quote unquote, lacha session going on for four or five hours you know, lunch, then dinner, and still talking about this. And uh, finally, he said, it's not about uh, zero and one. It The stone might be 0 0.01. And then we are probably like 0.9. And so there is varying levels of uh, this. Uh, uh, that's the reason the stone cannot move and, and talk to you and all. It doesn't have all those types of... Uh, powers with it, but maybe it has some very small level of thinking involved with it. And, and, and you know, there's a practical, there's a practical tool what the scriptures give us as to, uh, you know, how we can apply this concept, right? The, the, the thing that I learned is that, you know, as the number of sense organs for a particular entity starts evolving, okay, then it becomes more quote-unquote conscious in that stream of zero and one that you talked about, Gons. So effectively, when we have to look at a food chain as, an, as a concept, right, eating something, you know, you know, and apparently human beings uh, probably have the uh, maximum number of sense organs, five, okay, whereas the other ones have much lower. So effectively, when you look at it, you know, the tree is considered to be much lowest, probably just feels uh, maybe the other ones, they have maybe two or three sense organs. So when you want to eat something, you got to eat something which is much lower evolved in in the uh, in the sense organs because then you are eating something which is not quote unquote that conscious uh, compared to the other. Therefore, you are causing less harm. That's a, that was a very powerful insight for me because then it it kind of you know, changed my entire way of thinking about food. Oh, well, that that is very nice, very nicely put. There have been experiments that if you take water, there's a, I think I can dig up a YouTube one where if positive thoughts are spoken, the, the configuration of the molecule is aligned differently. So it is scientifically proven they react to what you say. So that means there is some consciousness. This is that Kirillian photography, right, uh, Alpana? 
yeah there is there was a youtube video which was floating hmm. around about that the scientific study on that water reacts to so it is conscious in some way yeah i think we are diverting sorry for <laughs> starting this discussion yeah. but i think yeah something to think about no, no, it's, you know what you call it's it. very valid somebody has proved water has got memory as well yeah yeah the same thing yeah i mean isliye sometimes you you've noticed that people drink they say something into the water and give it to you and people are healed because it has memory and it has those to to contain that positive energy and it changes so it heals it heals bodies yeah, it's so, called holy water as well you know it's sprinkled yeah yeah so i i i had this discussion with someone yesterday and i i did not know i did not give give them a convincing argument to them right they said that uh, the you know okay now i am uh, they said that you know, if someone doesn't believe in the theory of rebirth and reincarnation then whatever they're talking about doesn't really matter because when i die i die nothing exists what do we say to such a person Well, the only thing I can tell that person is, you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, I had also mentioned this last time. You know, when I was talking about the, you know, the Islamic faith, where they say, "Yehi janam hai," मतलब, you know, you die, everything dies. But of course, we are, you know, we may be biased with the, you know, no wonder they are like that. But I was mentioning, you know, few of, I'm sure all of us have, you know, friends. in that community and as i was mentioning at least two in my company and i've i've never seen better human beings you know i mean i've and i've seen them for almost uh, what 28 to 30 years you know like kind hearted and and they say sab kuch isi janam mein hai but they still you know do the best karma and you know don't suffer the you know the normal kind of dirty games you see in a corporate world you know so i uh, see i'm saying that uh, i i'm not sure what is the belief in christianity also you know i mean they're not also really talking about after life i'm not very sure of course you know christ had this you know he reappeared but uh, i think this reincarnation and the karma going from one one birth to the other i think is uh, makes life uh, quite simple you know because there was this uh, rabi rabi or rabi i don't know how do you pronounce it you know he wrote this book when bad things happen to good people so yeah and uh, he still i mean he is not talking of you know my past life karma or because he just talks about uh, he i think he loses his son or something a very small patla sa book like you know notes to myself not as little but size wise that much but of course all it's a very thin book i don't know if anybody has read so he talks about when bad things happen to good people and he's been a you know a staunch christian and you know helping people but he loses his son and etc etc so i'm saying for us it's much easier to explain because you know it's like this ki <laughs> like you know i think rajesh whoever is in sales can you know correlate gaadi nahi bikri to recession hai you know so it's very easy to put everything nowadays is very easy on pandemic sir corona hai kya karu gaadi nahi bikri but dusre ki to bikri hai boss aapki kyun nahi bikri hai you know so <laughs> there's a different question but i'm saying you can at in 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 our this thing you can get away by saying you know when bad people are prospering and uh, you know good people are suffering 
you can always say you know that karma and all that but i don't know how others deal with that i mean how do others deal with this thing because you know of course this is not the topic right now but i uh, just want to add that when i was growing up i used to always believe that you know if you have bad money then you'll have so called bad children you know like uh, if you have you know ill gotten money and you know got it from wrong sources then your children will suffer and in my family lot of the businesses are in food you know they have a restaurant and this and that so they used to say you know pet se nikalta hai burai but what i have seen in my practical life is that you know the people who have not only see taking bribe is still okay you are helping somebody to gain business but people who really give a lot of pain and suffering to people you know and earn money in that way you know taking away somebody's bread uh, and really hurting people and their children are also doing well so i'm saying these kind of things uh, you know and the people who have hard earned money is work very hard you know their children are doing all types of things you know somebody is into drugs somebody is doing something and i'm talking of you know people like us you know i'm not talking of businessmen and i'm just talking of people who are you know less they they did everything right for their children had good money it all went bad so i don't know how how to explain this in other religions you know if sab kuch isi janam mein hai you start from zero and end at 100 and then you become again zero so i just wanted to add that i don't know if there's an answer i think for um you know for the uh, muslims and for christians they still believe in like a heaven right is jannat or heaven so there's still something that's beyond this life for them yeah i think spg talks about the same thing i mean his his point is that in all these religions there is after life that is being sold to you whereas we are in advaita or um you are being told that you can actually achieve it in this jan uh, it, itself and rajesh it doesn't answer that question that you are asking that how do you explain it to somebody else um who's an atheist because that's the more challenging yeah. one so so i think spg has uh, spg has talked about that one also but i can't recall right now but at least for the other religions um it's you know it's sort of make the logical sense that if you can get it in this life then why worry about after life right so um i i think that sort of made sense to me but i'm not sure how do you answer this question that um uh, to someone you know who say who doesn't believe in reincarnation right that's that's the yeah. um fundamental assumption that we all work with in yeah. because there in hinduism their point their, their point was you know okay you talk about this big tree of samsara and all that stuff it's all fine the moment i die i really don't care what happens to it so you know why should you care that's the question and i said okay i don't know the answer but see no <laughs> I see but see i i i thought i thought about that so i thought about that because i used to ask this question myself a lot that you know once you are gone then you are gone so i want everything in this life now right that was the starting point but when you start experiencing thing as part of advaita then you then you start realizing that you know whatever assumptions you had previously are not important because there is something beyond that there and you hear about all these things um which are you know which are beyond your uh, realm of uh, 
understanding, which are supernatural or whatever you want to call it, mystique or whatever you want to call it. And, and when you personally experience it, that why by breathing you are much calmer, right? Then you say, okay, if this theory is telling me this, then maybe there is a path to nirvana, right? And that's how I at least aligned myself to saying that, okay, fine, I don't need everything. I don't need to focus on, um, uh, you know, getting everything in this life because as Alpna said many, many weeks ago, I have enjoyed some fruits <laughs> a lot and, you know, let other people now enjoy that. So the point is that if you have had multiple lives, you probably have gone through a lot more experiences. And, and the key point is that because you're experiencing, um, like let's say Chaturmasa, right? That changed our lives and or our way of looking at food. Now, you know, Rajiv and I were talking earlier this morning and he, he was saying that that's the important thing to have that breakthrough. So once you get that breakthrough, then, then you start believing in the theory, in the underlying assumption. So I think that's the best way I have at least gone over that issue. Because I was also at the same point, that no, what you need in this life, you need to die, then who asks you after that? At best, they will put a plaque, that they have made a temple, right? And this school has made a but that's it. Hey, uh, 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 yes, sorry, sorry, continue, continue. Oh, no, no, uh, Mahesh, uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I want to yeah, hear yes. your thoughts too. I, yeah. I have like three things. Uh, yeah, well so uh, what I want to say is uh, Buddhists also doesn't believe in afterlife, but still they have uh, so many meditation techniques and other things. See, I mean, it is, uh, I mean, I mean, Christian also uh, talks about heaven and other things. Muslim also talks about Jannat and see there are other religions. I mean, they also believe in something, uh, better life or something like that. Uh, what I want to say is, I mean, uh, I mean, for me, for an atheist, how do you say this? How do you, how, how do you impart the knowledge is, I mean, we should not see as on today. Today we are at youth. We all believe that the life I enjoy, but when you grow older, when the pain starts, you know, uh, when arthritis hit him, how does he overcome that? I mean, he has to suffer there, you know, when there's a birth, there's a, uh, I mean, uh, uh, when there's a head, there's a headache. When there's a, uh, I mean, when there's a body, there's a, there'll be pain. You know? So, I mean, you cannot live like that. I mean, I mean, it has to go through this, uh, all these things. So then why does a Buddhist do all this if he doesn't believe in afterlife? So that is one point to ponder for us. And second thing is that, I mean, even if you have to overcome all these pains in this existing life itself, we need to do, we need to overcome uh, this pain, which is uh, hitting us over the uh, old age. The, I mean, the Buddhists consider that the moment you are born, it's suffering, you know, it's like this. Today you are suffering day number one, suffering day number two, suffering day number three till you die. To overcome that, they need, they do this meditation called Vipassana. I mean, like, you know, Swami Sarvapriyananda Ji explains, the moment you build a house, a Buddhist will come and say that today is the destruction house number one. You know, whether you are doing Guru Pravesha, he will come and say your house is destruction day number one. Rather, it is true. I mean, if you see, it is day destruction number one, two, three, it will continue and it will go to destruct. So, I mean, I mean, although Buddhist doesn't believe in that, but still, they believe in the point of destruction the other way around. You know, we believe in rebirth, but they believe in destruction. Some talks about birth to birth, some talk about death to death. I think birth to birth is more positive, Mahesh. 
Hey, uh, I, I just want... we took it. Yeah, go ahead, Guns. Uh, no, I, I think uh, all of the points uh, are making a lot of sense for me personally. They one thing that I uh, first came to my mind is actually Guntax, your book, um, because you talk about when when somebody responds like that, right? What you talk about is, yeah, I mean, you can have everything that you want. but how is your mind doing right um so so if we say the uh, the guy is doing well because he did bad things uh, or to your point rajiv like his his kids are doing well what does that actually mean like are they doing well in their mind or are they doing well based on what we in society say means well um and i think you address that in in your book very nicely uh, that was one thing that came to mind the other thing that uh, came to mind is you know one of our uh, classmates uh, you know several of us have, have lost close ones in in the pandemic and uh, for various other reasons right so when that type of thing happens um i uh, one thing that i found very helpful is to read this and i'll i'll send the link out in the chat um jk's thing about death and life and he talks about like there should not we should get to a point where there's no difference between death or life so whether you're a atheist or or not an atheist or whoever you are it should not really matter about death or life because i think you mentioned it last time uh, guntax or alpana like when you go to sleep you are actually dying and then you wake up you are alive again um and jk's point is that is happening at every moment forget about sleeping and waking up so when i think of it like that uh, it puts my mind at a lot of ease uh, actually it really doesn't matter you know that is a name that we are we are giving and and then there's a lot of uh, things we we get into and and the fearing that part but we should not actually fear because it's happening at every instant in time anyway yeah so uh, good thanks thanks for that and i think you know at the most important point i think we are trying to uh, articulate is okay what happens at death does this tree of samsara go away for the person who is dead that's the question that we have to you know think about and ask ourselves whether it makes you know there are there are certain sect of people who believe that the tree of samsara will not exist once you die but you know we have to discuss and debate upon ourselves and be convinced what is the right uh, interpretation does the tree of samsara go away for a person who is dead and today uh, after having gone through like what vp was mentioning you know i don't believe that it goes away the tree of samsara continues okay and the reason why it continues is that the subtle body goes into and finds another body and from there it starts off and it starts building on it and then you know cutting the tree or you know growing the tree depending on what their mindset is their their uh, uh, the nature with which they are born in it depends on that and they'll continue with it and that brings me back to another question which i was asking in my uh, in my list of questions right you know how do we know that we are actually growing the tree or cutting the tree of samsara 
what is our uh, perception right it's important for us to understand this because unless we diagnose the problem clearly we don't know how to solve it hey uh, i think isn't it all about detachment right the more uh, we are getting detached the more we are cutting it that's how so you're I giving you you vp you're right you're giving me the solution but the question is i asked you the problem statement right how do we know whether we are growing the tree or cutting down the tree i think good tax uh, the one thing that uh, vp was mentioning it like you have to experience it for yourself so you will figure out whether you are cutting the tree right you have to feel that you are actually cutting it and you'll probably know that when um when you grow older <laughs> no uh, no uh, vp uh, uh, you know vp and goods you know here is my question first of all first of all are we conscious that we are cutting the tree or are we just kind of you know assuming that we are cutting the tree that's the most important point right yeah let, let me try to explain rajesh normally what happens is when we grow in this path i mean as my understanding is that there there's so many qualities mentioned the 48 qualities or something in the last chapter it was mentioned you know those has to manifest in our day day to day living that is how we know whether we are growing in this path or not you know like i mean today i may be very arrogant but when we grow in this path i may not be arrogant i may have some patience you know there we decide you know the, the qualities has to manifest uh, our mind has to be fixed on that uh, idea or sachidananda the moment it's fixed the outer thing manifests it's automatic and the list of qualities all the fearlessness and this and that the listed over there you can actually see i mean this is how we grow in this path and one fine day we have to cut off everything as alpana says from one thorn to other thorn even that has to be cut off that is knowledge is my understanding eh? this is my understanding i may be i mean correct please correct me if i am wrong is the question how will you measure your progressing or not uh, rajesh is that was that the question no no the question was not that the question but i think i got i, I got the sense from what mahesh was saying the question is not about whether you're measuring the progress or not the question is first of all do we are we conscious that you know we have to cut down this tree and are we making conscious efforts to cut down the tree how are we doing it well i think i mean not to be facetious by being in this geeta group itself i think we are trying to cut the tree <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a it's a process i mean as uh, as several others have been saying i mean it's about it's about getting to a superior branch in the tree for example right uh, by doing uh, you know you know the right sort of by by imbibing the right moral and ethical values for example or you know focusing more on the sattva guna as opposed to the other two gunas right or you know even even a sort of something like you know what we read in in karma yoga about you know accepting the outcomes and making making the best effort is also a path to that breaking down of the tree i guess right and uh, and i think at some level i mean you know and that's kind of where i was kind of debating in my mind i mean this whole karma kanda versus gyana kanda i think just the knowledge that there is a tree that needs to be cut is also a step in that direction 
Yes. But I guess it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's I don't think there is a black and white you know thing that I'm going to cut it tomorrow. But it's a, it's a process. It's 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 a it's a continuum. I, I think I, I think Rajesh, what you're asking is that are we are we conscious about the fact that we have to cut this tree? And I think uh, I think the way I understand that is you become conscious when something very bad happens to you, and then you start questioning everything. And right, I think you have talked about your experience uh, in the book, right? So so I think everyone sort of gets that trigger when they suddenly become conscious because something in their life has gone completely wrong um, and that's a setback to which they can't figure out the answer, right? So I would probably extremely, think that that's the way to... Extremely well said, VP, VP and Ajay, extremely well said. And I think that's that's the point that I want to trigger, right? The point is, you know, at the end of the day, something will trigger us the inquiry and we'll start looking at the same data point, our life, from a different lens. And that's when the inquiry, that's when the real thought process starts about how to cut the tree. And then we start getting into Gita and all those things. That's the path that we get on. And then, you know, uh, just want to connect this to the, you know, what we, uh, what Ajay, what you said, and VP Mahesh, what you said, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, do we believe in the sadhana chatushtaya, vivekam, vairagyam, shamadamadi, and mumukshutvam? Maybe mumukshutvam is that desire to get liberated. That is maybe that may not be there, but like what Ajay, what you rightly said, Sadhana Chatushtaya steps, are they coming on in our path on a more easy way that we are able to adopt it in our life will show us that yes, we think that we, there is a tree that needs to be cut. Okay. Exactly. I want, I, want to bring, I want to bring that thing. And there's another thing, another question that I want to raise here and I want to discuss that here and I'm going to raise the question. I'm going to stop here then, right? See, the question is, you know, sometimes we get confused. Okay, should I, should I grow this tree? You know, growing the tree can be in two ways. One is, you know, um, not doing anything, letting the tree die on its own, or growing the tree, but figuring out another way of cutting it, okay, which is the right approach. So basically, in other words, you know, do I start building more businesses? Do I start building more homes? Do I start building more relationships? Or do I just kind of, you know, withdraw and stop everything? What's the right way of thinking? It's a very important question, okay? Uh, and, and I want to trigger the discussion here in this uh, group. I wanted to say after Ajay said that using the Gyan Khand, if you realize that the, which tree, what tree, all those questions drop off, right? Yeah, I'm actually to Agna's point, I never understood this chapter, the tree. So I, I have sort of, you know, moved on. Uh, but but I understand, Rajesh, what you're asking. <laughs> but I'm, I, I just, I said, this tree is too complicated for me to intellectually understand, any, so let's... And, and so in, any let's... Case, in any case, it does exist, yeah, so... <laughs> exactly. Maya so you <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but we'll try to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but Rajesh, to your question about whether we should grow the tree, I was actually struggling with this, this thing about what do you mean by growing the tree? And I think the last comment you made was, for example, building new businesses or, you know, doing, you know, the sort of samsaric activities, if you will. I mean, the karma needs to continue to be done, right? I mean, that is, I mean, again, it's very similar to what Krishna tells Arjuna that you have to do karma, right? Because karma is not about sort of, I mean, if you build a business, you don't build a business sort of only for yourself. You do it for a wider community, right? I mean, there's employment, there is sort of 
you know resource creation whatever else right so i can't i mean if if that's what you mean by growing the tree i mean yeah i mean you need to do the karma for sure but at the same time you need to recognize that this is all sort of uh, you 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 got, you've got to do it in a sort of a, a sort of a detached manner absolutely uh, absolutely yeah. the so rajesh the way i would perhaps try to answer your question is that whatever feels right point number 1 and whatever feels uh, you know the right dharma and that's what i mean what feels right and then you go with that right so if it means that your dharma is to grow the business and you know take it to the next level and and you know maybe the relationship comes because you are serving people so therefore you are meeting more and more people and suddenly you are related to more yeah. and more people and and that may be the way or it may be as i have felt many a times that just go to a mountain and sit and enjoy life right so, so it just depends what feels feels right uh by by the way uh, just as a aside i thought swami svg endorsed having chillam in the video that uh, somebody posted in the group so i thought that's a cool idea like you could go at the mountain and have chillam yeah so you know um, uh, ajay and vp you guys said it right and that's the most important thing right i'm going to tie back again the asanga asanga shastra the weapon of asanga is what we need to do so there's no my my interpretation is like this there's absolutely nothing wrong in building businesses or building more relationships and like what vp what rightly said depending on the role what we would do we would do it but the point is the knowledge has to be there at the back of it saying that i'm doing all this because this is the role what i have in this current life i have assumed this particular role there's no problem in building castles if that is what it means there's no problem in building businesses doing anything as long as it's clear to me that it's a role that i'm exhibiting and that, that is the asanga shastra slowly you know we keep sharpening that and over, over a period of time it will become so sharp that it will cut the tree off that's what that's, that's the point that i want to bring in right because i'm trying to ask some you know fundamental questions tying into the concepts of the tree karma yoga you know karma yoga is one asanga shastra but sharp to cut it because it requires a little bit more sharpness from a knowledge perspective but the knowledge sharpness will not come unless until you sharpen it first with karma yoga right correct correct so, i would the tree how, how the whole maya has got built up and how the tree is coming i really found it fascinating when i read this chapter actually no i mean it was it was a very good chapter i mean i have to say it took me some time to grasp some of the concepts but i mean one of the things which sort of is is in my mind and something that vp you know we talk about in chaturmas about satvik uh, you know lifestyle and for some reason we didn't spend much time on chapter 14 did we or did i miss anything because no no we did not actually the... we bypassed that entire chapter yeah i mean i i suddenly realized that you know why are we at 15 and not at 14 but anyway the four, uh, 14 is all about sort of about sort of the gunas right and <clears throat> when you think about sort of sattva guna i mean it's all about dharma it's all about righteousness i mean a lot of the concepts around you know sadhana sadhana chatushtayam you know the sadgunas and you know a lot of the concepts of the gita you know around doing the right thing as vp you described it they all get captured in this sattva guna 
at a certain level. And I, I, I somehow found that sort of very, very powerful as like a single point to focus on. <clears throat> I also understood, uh, you know, from that perspective only that, you know, whatever, you know, so whether we do, uh, we need to reduce our, you know, Rajasik pursuits as well as Tamasik pursuits, you know, whether it is, uh, I mean, uh, Tamasik means completely, you know, doing a dharmic kind of things as well as Rajasik means, you know, doing maybe dharmic things, but for material purposes. So the businesses that uh, you were telling, uh, you know, I mean, you can start other businesses, but are you starting it from a material, uh, materialistic, uh, you know, objective in mind? You know, I think that will differentiate whether you want to do it. Uh, are you growing or are you cutting it? You know, so Correct. the idea That's is to re reduce mm -hmm. our, depend our uh, you know, kind of slavery to these two pursuits and uh, build <clears throat> the sattvic uh, pursuits in life, you know. So that's a that's how you know. I mean, I've linked it to the guna, and I've understood simply. Yeah, and Rajesh, what you were saying earlier, I I just thought that perhaps we can say that karam following karam yoga is the best uh, axe or sword to cut this tree, right? I mean, that's is that the right way to think about this? No, that is not the best. That's the second best. The best is knowledge. Yeah, no, knowledge is ultimately required. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it helps sharpen the the axe. For sure. Yeah. But till you till you get the knowledge, till you get the knowledge, you have to do that. And and that's that's the point, right? And to I just want to add to what Sakuba is saying, right? Sakuba, you know, you said it absolutely right. What I'm saying is, you know, when the Rajasik uh, material pursuits, you know, let's not think that material pursuits are are not to be done. Because the, at some point of time, if our mindset is in such a way that we are probably more tamasic, okay. Let's say in, in some aspect we are tamasic, then at that point of time we can't shift to being altruistic. At, you know, we have to be materialistic at that point of time to move away from the inaction and then get to that. And then, you know, be in that state for some time, maybe like a pickle, you mature for some time. And then once you've matured a little bit, okay, oh, now I don't think this makes sense for me. Then you move on. But the point is that we have to start accepting that it's okay. That's what I'm trying yeah. to do. Yeah, and, and Swami yeah. P refers, you know, Thomasic as something as you know spiritual destruction, and uh, you know uh, Rajasic as you know uh, spiritual stagnation. Huh. So you know, so you move from a destruction and probably a stagnation, and then to a liberation actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he uses a he uses he uses like a like a step ladder in the sense that he yeah. says, you know, we're basically sort of Thomasic to begin with as a child, for example. And then you move to basically Rajasik with a Tamasik sort of uh, aspect to it, which is basically uh, Sakama Karma, right? So you do it, but with materialistic sort of uh, selfish motive, if you will. From there, you move to a Rajasik with a Sattva leaning, which is Nishkama Karma. And then you move eventually to a point where you're doing it uh, in, a, in a completely sort of righteous manner without any material sort of, uh, you know, angle to it. Uh, which, which sort of resonates because if you think about how we all grow up, uh, you know, we, we kind of transition from one to the other uh, in some shape or form and we all experience it. You beautifully summarized it. Thank you, Ajay. Thank you, Sakuba. Thank you. That's really nice. And, okay, so, uh, sorry, I'm coming back again because I think 
it's the sharpening the axe finally what we're doing is sharpening the axe and there are different steps like what ajay what described and now the point is again again coming back to the fundamental question does the tree of samsara exist i'm told it does not <laughs> it does not but it apparently it exists for us <laughs> Sometimes yeah, you ask out of syllabus question, Rajesh. <laughs> yeah, it's totally out of syllabus. Yeah, out of portion and you know. Sometimes the only thing I can do is go to Nagarji and have a chai and a samosa. <laughs> yeah, but he says on page one forty three, felling the tree. The Lord wants urging against thinking that it has any intrinsic truth. If you analyze it, the whole tree disappears. There is no tree. There's no tree. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, hey, uh, yeah. something came to mind when you were talking about this tree, right? Um, ah, anyway, I blanked out. Sorry, it'll come back. A uh, couple of things yeah. I just wanted to share. Um, you know, to the previous question about uh, karma and re- reincarnation, uh, and then uh, how to explain that to an atheist. You know, a uh, couple of thoughts there. Even. back then there was a school of philosophy called charvakas right in the materialist uh, or the atheists and materialists who believed in that right there is only one life and everything needs to happen right here and now there is nothing beyond um, just stating that because it's not just other religions even obviously there were a group a lot of group a group of people who believed in that even at that time and it's there is it's acknowledged as a philosophy um and uh, secondly um for me at least uh this whole uh idea is like a very plausible theory right to explain a lot of things that happen in life not just your own life but happen around you right how do you explain otherwise uh why uh you know if we only think of uh, us as, as sentient beings how is that one person's experience is very different one person is born here one person is born in a separate in a different situation one person goes through suffering another person is not uh, and so on how do you explain all of these things and you can also see cases where somebody is clearly doing something wrong but still apparently getting more and more good things as an example right so we we start to um ask these questions why uh, why does this happen it's not possible to explain it without having the concept of karma uh, uh, from what i've yeah. seen it's very very hard right uh, especially at the birth right for instance why, why is somebody born to in poverty why is somebody else born to born as a child of bill gates <laughs> um, or somebody born with talent without talent and so on how do you explain that right how do you explain shankaracharya being spiritual at the age of 11 or or 10 and being being able to achieve that kind of stuff so when you now compare it logically again uh with occurrences that have happened then you start to give credence to the that theory that you've learned right so it's in in some ways it is not different from how we learn physics or anything about the universe where somebody says okay there was a big bang theory uh, there was a big bang and then these things happened uh again you give some level of uh, um benefit of doubt if you will to the author of that saying that hey this person has thought about this for quite some time and has done a lot of research so i'm going to give the benefit of doubt and going to believe that for now i am not going to completely take it in but i'm going to give some amount of um 
you know, credibility to this person's uh, uh, talking. And then I'm going to see it for myself, whether it's actually true or not. It's kind of in the same way. You just take it saying that this comes from very old texts. Obviously, it's, uh, it, it's uh, outlived like 5,000 plus years here. I'm going to give some amount of credibility to this. And then I'm going to translate that to how things happen in, around me and in my life and try to explain. Okay, now with this theory of karma, I can explain this. I can explain why somebody is born in a particular way and what happens after death and this whole thing. And how are people different? One person is different from the other. Um, how do you explain that? If, every, if all of us are just made of similar kind of matter, I mean, two twins in the same house, eating the same food, under the same circumstances, same parents and whatnot, they are different. How do you explain that? Right? So eventually uh, it starts to sink in that, well, maybe this is this is the way to explain it, right? Nobody can actually prove it uh, through by seeing it, obviously, because we have to die to actually uh, and and be aware and come back. That's not going to happen. But so um, th that's one way in which I found uh, myself explaining and believing in the in the theory of karma, because there's no other way to explain. It. No, I, I don't think any other religion goes this far. Now, I wouldn't say religion, or in terms of philosophy. It goes this far to explain these concepts, right? They, they may not step into this, right? So you're not explaining it. Now, uh, with this, it's a complete picture. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, and, uh, and I did. Go ahead. Go ahead okay. Uh, very quickly, it just came back uh, as you were talking. <laughs> um, I was just going to mention, and Guntax and I have, have talked about it. If you think about uh, the it's scientifically reasoned out, you know, 5,000, 10,000 plus years ago, scientific, in our interpretation of what scientific reasoning is, right? It's pretty logical and people have thought through this so deeply and arrived at certain conclusions that uh, it, yes, for an atheist, it is a theory, but for people who have experienced it, it's no longer a theory. It's, it's, it is it. It, it, that is what it is. Um, and, and even, you know, some Motfi type stuff, which I was reading is Schrodinger. Uh, the first equation he wrote down is a, was the wave, wave function equation, right? For, for all the particles and stuff. His second equation, which he has written about himself is, he says, Atman equals Brahman. That was his second equation. And he's written quite extensively about it. And, and the debate that whether an electron has a consciousness, for him, it was very, very clear, very apparent after reading Upanishads that, yes, it does have some consciousness because um, otherwise the world will not appear the same to each one of us. It was a beautiful, uh, beautiful kind of explanation. I'm paraphrasing and my explanation is not as good as his, but... Uh, it all comes down to the same thing what you were saying. Okay. Can you share that link? Yeah, I will. I will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, VP, you you were saying something. If you can. Uh, yeah, I I was I was saying that when you are talking to someone who is asking the question like that, then my counter will be, okay. Then what is your philosophy of explaining what's going around in this world, right? So we have this philosophy to explain a lot of the sorrow and. Um, you know, death and this and that. 
what is your theory to explain all this that why somebody who's doing good thing is suffering and why somebody who's doing bad stuff or is a bad person thriving so i would flip it because i it's difficult to argue when you don't know where they are coming from what is their theory to explain all this if you ask yeah. that question the person will say i ask the question first <laughs> <laughs> no no but you know rajiv i'm just joking yeah yeah i know <laughs> मुझे you know the birth rebirth is a, like a cycle right so you have like um you know opportunities to improve or to right the wrong that you might have done previously but for atheists i think if it's always a, a straight line then they should be doing you know good no matter what right because there's no way for them to come back and fix things yeah but 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 manu you know just one thing is you know it's it's not necessary that the atheists don't believe in uh, reincarnation so but that's a different yeah yeah it, it it's not necessary yeah. but if they don't then it you know if so in my view you know it's it makes sense to do good no matter what you believe in right because whether you're trying whether you you believe in the rebirth cycle you still want to do good because you want to improve your karma and if you have no opportunity if you believe you have no opportunity to you know be reborn then you anyways have to do good because this is it right yeah yeah okay 7:30 we are at 7:30 i uh, just was looking at uh, you know what we should do for the next week i think uh, you know i think we have figured out a way of uh, cutting the tree but uh, let's look at the gunas maybe and uh, you know the we should talk about chapter 17 of swami d's book combined with chapter 19 of swami d's book both of them together chapter 17 i guess that we've already read it so but it will be important for us to go back once because this chapter 19 will have a lot of basis in terms of uh, you know discussing the di- divine and demonic nature based on the gunas that uh, the people have right so let's please let's look at both these chapters and maybe ajay that will that will you know solve one of the questions that you had you know why why did we discuss the gunas chapter we will discuss the gunas chapter no no absolutely we definitely bypassed it because i think that it became very interesting for us to discuss but now we'll have to figure out you know um, how to grow the tree and how to grow it right okay so that's uh, that's one thing so let's let's plan that for the next week and i have a feeling that this one also will probably you know take a little bit more longer for us to discuss and uh, digest um, so let's uh, uh, let's plan it for maybe one or two two week discussions okay sure all right did i did anyone did i did anyone else i missed today who did not uh, who were silent today ah there you go shanta any comments from you before we So I was just listening and absorbing and relating to the life events that happened with me and then trying to um 
like you know I, that's how i have come to terms so i was just reflecting on those all right so we should now conclude with our prayer and uh, alpana if you're okay i can still do the do the prayer today okay yes please yeah i'm just trying to figure out where is my you know the notes that i had i i don't seem to have there we go okay all right did we go through the explanation last time i i i kind of had to drop up earlier actually i, I think alpana went through the explanation but uh, uh, maybe do you want to do it alpana I'll just explain the thing i i will chant it not an issue but uh, sure yeah so the first line is om bhadram karnebhi shrunuyam deva so it means that uh, may our ears listen to the auspicious things and then let me open it bhadram pashye makshabhir yajatra so yajatra is an interesting word it is used for devas uh, who always uh, uh, do benefit for others so that's how we pray to those devas that may our eyes see the auspicious um then what is it actually are you sharing the screen uh, rajesh with the no i'm not sharing the screen because okay. i'm able to find that in my uh, uh, let me look it up okay no worries sthire rangai stushtu vagam sastanubi sthir angai is may we get a steadfast body to you know uh, if the body is bodies can be if the body can be kept sthir that means it needs to be uh, healthy um and stush sthire rangai anga is uh, parts of the body and tushtu vagam sastanubi tushtu is uh, it is uh, actually this one is uh, it is healthy uh, sastanubi uh, so that it can um it can uh, i need to get the meaning i'm trying to go by my memory but you don't want to give it correct interpretation No, we can. We can. Uh, Albert, so, I think so, you posted it also. So maybe what what I would request is if you can, you know, just broadly break it down uh, in terms of, for example, um, like what you said, that years, uh, year, like that. Yeah. It down. We can go back and read it also later on. Sure, sure. And then it says, "Vyashema uh, Deva Hitam Yadayu" means you give me enough life so that you know I can achieve the goal that I have set myself upon. um and then it talks about uh, um you know different uh, different uh, devas to uh, and swasti means for our well being so indra refers to actually interestingly um the 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 mind and uh, then pusha refers to uh, swasti na pusha vishva veda um so so these actually these three uh, when Knowledge. i read detail they refer to yes the mind intellect and the um and the uh, the arish uh, tarsha arishnemi is the mythical bird 
which protects uh, it actually refers to garuda which protects us so may it give us good intellect and good mind and protect us and brahaspati is the um, is the is the guru of devatas so so more related to um, knowledge uh, it gives us the knowledge and so rajesh is that the so yeah yeah absolutely i think i think it's it's a very powerful prayer i think we should uh, uh, probably you know go back to what alpana posted and read that particular thing but thank you alpana for explaining this and maybe now we can just chant it uh, it's 7 uh, minutes past so what we'll do is you know uh, we will chant the entire thing together today but maybe tomorrow in the next session we will stop 5 minutes before and uh, we will chant it uh, together and learn this okay so let's let's do the chanting ಭದ್ರಂ ಪಶ್ಯೇಮಾಕ್ಷೇಮೇವಹಿತು ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನೋ ವೃದ್ಧಶ್ರವಾ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನೂಷಾ ವಿಶ್ವೇದ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನಸ್ತಾಕ್ಷರಿಷ್ಠನೇಮಿ ಸ್ವಸ್ತಿ ನೋ ಬೃಹಸ್ಪತಿ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಸರ್ವೇ ಜನ ಸುಖಿನೋಂತು all right thank you so much thank you thank you everyone thank you bye for the week 17 and 19 next week okay bye bye